The Four Horsemen. What you have here is the Four Horsemen, united, live and exciting color. Um, not those Four Horsemen. These Four Horsemen discuss theology from different viewpoints, different perspectives, as we show people how to have discussions without turning into a keyboard warrior. Are you stupid? Now, here's Dennis Thurman, Adam Black, Benjamin Kerfman, and Derek McCarson, the Four Horsemen. Welcome to another exciting podcast of the Four Horsemen. And typically we have Derek McCarson with us, but Derek is at home rocking a baby, uh, helping out his wife. He took our last podcast a couple of weeks ago, serious about Christians he, he, having he, children. He did. Amen. Uh, Be fruitful and multiply. He, and he practiced home. what he preached, <laughs> and so we're, we're glad. So we miss you, Derek. However, we have the delightful Chrissy Stepp, uh, pastor of Barberville, who is with us this evening, and so we're glad to have him. Uh, he is a, a man of great renown. If you've never heard uh, his uh, Elvis impersonations, it's just top-notch. And then we've got the usual suspects, uh, Adam Black and Benjamin Kerfman. Have to be nice to Benny Boy because he has uh, got the controls over here and he could always mute me or make me sound like Donald Duck. I'm easily so, triggered. Yes, he is. He, he's, a, he's a delicate soul. That's how we, how we would think. But anyway, we're glad that you tuned in. And of course, it is the time of year in which even though there's still some warm days, that the evenings are starting to get a little bit cooler and a harbinger of things to come when the leaves uh, begin to turn. Pumpkin spice and, lattes. Uh, fall pumpkin spice <laughs> lattes are good. I like them. But uh, what I don't like is that the days get short and it gets mm-hmm. dark earlier. And, uh, and, and that's tough. And, and though, even though that might be a matter of personal preference for me, for some people, it's a very serious thing. It's called uh, SAD, and it's an acronym for Seasonal Affective Disorder a type of depression that's related to the changing of seasons. And we know that light has an impact uh, for some people about uh, their ability, uh, their mood swings and all that kind of thing, ability to deal with stuff. Uh, That disorder uh, drains energy and uh, just makes you very moody. And there's folks that will go through that type of of depression. So, but that's not what I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk about pastors who face their own version of SAD. And I'm going to use that as an acronym to talk about the challenges of suffering, anxiety, and difficulties. Because I just have a sneaking suspicion that there's some pastors out there that are going into such a season of change in which the the leaves uh, have turned brown and falling off in their ministry. The darkness uh, has come. The daylight uh, is uh, fleeting. And, uh, and, and so depression, walking through a dark valley, all of those are things that, uh, that might affect us. And, of course, if you're not a pastor, uh, all of us, I think, as God's people, can face seasons like that. So uh, are you sad? Well, let's talk about suffering to begin with. And when I talk about that and how that can affect us in ministry and in life, about our own suffering, of course, and then that of others. So, guys, let me throw out this question. Have you found that times of physical suffering have affected you spiritually? And if so, kind of describe that. Who wants to go first? Physical, physical, say that again. Physical Physical suffering suffering has affected you and had a spiritual impact in your life. (sighs) 
Wait, let me clarify this. Are you talking like um, something's wrong with me? Yep. Or- yep. You're going through pain. You're going through some sickness, uh, hospitalization. I will tell you that I've I've had relatively good health, but I have discovered that sometimes during those uh, episodes of sickness that I have uh, have encountered to me a heightened awareness of of temptation, a greater susceptibility to it, uh, and and even uh, I don't know this I'll call it depression. Certainly not clinical depression but maybe what Lloyd-Jones described as a spiritual depression of, of being in a valley because I couldn't do the things I wanted to do. Maybe didn't even feel like praying or reading my Bible. But, but I saw a correlation between those times of, of suffering in my life and uh, what happened to me in terms of my uh, moods, my attitudes, and, and my faith. So is anybody else? Maybe I'm the, the weird one here. but I, uh, I haven't had a lot of health physical health issues uh in my life fortunately i've never been hospitalized or anything like that but i would definitely say um exhaustion uh, there's definitely there's a connection between the spiritual and physical components and i would agree there's been times where i've just been exhausted if i'm working a lot or not sleeping well or something like that where uh, like you said then it's temptation is definitely increased like when i'm mentally tired it's hard for me to take my thoughts captive it's hard for me to uh, uh, get up and spend time with the Lord, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, the, the condition of your physical body uh, does make a, a huge difference, I think, in, in your spiritual life. The healthier that you are physically, I think the healthier you will be spiritually too in a lot of cases. It's something I've been dealing with just with uh, with weight gain. I've gained, one, since I've changed this job and basically took a desk job, I've, I've gotten way out of shape. And it has certainly affected my mood and and dealt with depression, you know, honestly. Uh, nothing serious, but just feel down, don't feel like doing nothing, don't sluggish. I'm, I'm not motivated. I'm not, you know, I just want to go home, go to bed mm-hmm. and get up and um so yeah, I, I've definitely dealt with that really in the last two years. So and it doesn't help, like you said, the spiritual walk. You know, I don't want to pray, I don't wanna, you know, I don't wanna read my Bible, I don't wanna, you know. So it certainly your physical definitely affects your spiritual, yeah. at least in my life so far. Yeah, and, and I guess, Chris, I'm talking about a holistic approach to realize that that as people we're not just segmented in different parts, we're we're a whole. And so, so one component affects the other. Have, have you experienced that? I've not had any, you know, physical suffering as far as pain or, or prolonged illnesses or anything like that. Um, I would say, you know, kind of like, um, uh, you know, I've suffered, well, dealing with the uh, depression and things like that, which I think will probably be more fall under a couple of the other topics that you've had. Um, but I would agree with what's been said as far as the physical aspect is that, you know, as pastors, there's a temptation um, to not be very physically active because a lot of what we involve, what we do involves sitting and studying. And, and even when we're out doing ministry, you know, we're visiting and when we go visit, we sit, you know. Um, and I think it's important, you know, that pastors realize that there's a, such an important aspect of taking care of our bodies physically as there is taking care of our bodies spiritually. Because if we're not taking care of our bodies physically, um, it can shorten our lifespan. Um, it can have a, a detrimental impact even on how people view us, because if they see us as not being taking care of our bodies, it's like, well, 
mm-hmm. know, why should I listen to what you have to say if you can't even, you know, if you're not even being a good steward of, of the body that God's given you? Mm-hmm. And I know that's something that has been, you know, pretty weighed heavy on my heart, especially of late, um, you know, because, you know, my job that I work during the week being bivocational, I'm on my feet all the time and I you know, walk quite a bit at the job that I do, but I still know that there needs to be a more disciplined aspect of my life as far as exercising those things. If I want to um, have a, a, a long-term in ministry and those kinds of things. That, that's true. And, and I thought about Spurgeon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spurgeon, of course, suffered from gout, extremely painful, and, uh, and he would have these bouts of depression that were virtually debilitating. Now, here's the prince of preachers. Here's a man in a mega ministry. And yet there were times that he was basically not able to function. He would be in such a, a valley. He would have to leave the pulpit and take a leave of absence to try to, to recover. But, but it seems like a lot of that was triggered at times by the physical pain that he was going through. So I, I think there is a connection. But also I thought about this. Let me kind of give this nuance about uh, having to deal with suffering, not our own, but that of our family or our flock and how that can affect us in terms of our our state of mind and, and spiritually. Yeah. Uh, have, have you found that dealing with other people's suffering has a, a draining and maybe even a depressing impact in, in your life? Oh, absolutely. I mean, because you, you, you get so involved, and even if you're not involved, if you're close enough to the situation, like you, like it's like you, you strive so hard mentally to, man, I really want this to work out. You're praying spiritually, I want this to work out, and if you don't see any fruit of that per se in a positive light, man, it, it definitely takes a toll on you. Like I didn't do good enough. I didn't. I should have done more. I, I you know, you you just kind of beat yourself up over that. So absolutely that, you know, when you get involved with people in ministry and not even ministry, if you're, you're making disciples, it gets messy, you know, it's going to get messy and um, it's a spiritual warfare. It really is. And so I, I think that's a huge part of pastoring that I'm learning about that the average person doesn't understand, you know, from the outside. I mean, when, when I first started in ministry, it was like, okay, you're basically teaching. And so, you know, as long as you're studying or whatever, like that, like that's fine. And, and I used to actually be against guys being full-time in ministry because I was like, I just don't see why you need that many hours. You know what I mean? To, to do anything. And, you know, nobody really needs to study for 30 or 40 hours for a sermon and half the people you're visiting don't need to be visited. And that was just kind of my mentality because I was young and stupid. And now that I've been in ministry, you know, for a while, um, one of the things that I'm realizing is, is that um, some of those hours are just personal care and that that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of people would say, <clears throat> you know, well, you know, preacher, I drove by the church on Tuesday afternoon and your car wasn't out there. And it's like, maybe that's because I, I was uh, praying for your husband to not die and go to hell. You know, like, like maybe, you, you know what I mean? Like, but people are you really, but the thing is, is people don't think about that, but I can, I can tell you honestly in the, in the last month, in the last month, there have been nights where I have laid in my bed and cried mm. over church members. Sure. sure. Um, if you have where, a pastor's heart, you will, where, where it's affected, it's affected my family of having some of that depression of just God, if, if you just don't, if you don't intervene in this situation, mm-hmm. this thing is just going to blow up, 
you know, like this family is really in trouble or this person's really hurting or, you know, this person's got an addiction and they're just not going to be able to kick it if you don't do something and I can't do anything for them, you know? And that's the stuff too that you don't, you can't share with the church. Right. So then sometimes it's like, uh, you know, you don't you don't have a lot of other people to go to. And then the other thing I'm having to learn going on in ministry, too, is I've always had the relationship with my wife where we're very open with each other about things. And I'm realizing there's sometimes I don't need to share things with her. Exactly. And that's hard for me. Um, that can create a real tension in it, the home. It, it can. And, 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 the th- and the other thing is, is then it's like sometimes uh, you don't have anybody to share with. And uh, unfortunately, I'm in a situation where, you know, we have elders and I have guys that I can talk to and I can ask for prayer for and that kind of thing. But a lot of guys are just out there doing it on their own. And so it's like, man, I I, I agree 100 percent, Dennis. I think suffering of others in the church and even in a small church, you know, we're not in a big church, but every church has problems and people are struggling and sin is destroying people's lives. If if I didn't have anybody to go to, if I was like a lot of these guys that are out there doing ministry, Lone Ranger ministry, I venture to say I'd be depressed all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember a few years ago when this really hit me, I'd been up in Mission Hospital in the room of uh, someone who had died with a family, doing my pastoral responsibility to comfort them. And then I remember distinctly walking down that parking lot. I can remember, I could take everything and show you the space I was parked in. And, and when I got down there, this was a beloved church member that we had just experienced that loss. And I got in my car, and I just broke down. And I would like to tell you it was out of sympathy for the family, but I'd already expressed that. But here's the thought on my mind. I've comforted them. Who's going to comfort me? Mm-hmm. And, and you may say, well, that's self-centered. But but listen, what folks out there need to realize, we're human too. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not some kind of super saint that doesn't experience the wear and tear. And if you've ever had a loved one die, that's tough. We experience that over and over and over again in ministry, and it's going to have an impact on you. Uh, and and so, um, Chris, have you had a situation where, that that really came down hard on you that affected you and your your whole uh, life, maybe brought you into a valley as a result of of the suffering or even bad choices in somebody in the congregation? Hiring just, men. Just pick, Hiring men. Just, just pick one, Chris. <laughs> just, like I did ministry with Chris, and I'm like, man, Chris, Chris is he was doing the Lone Ranger thing for years. So I mean, he's got yeah. plenty of examples. Well, and and I think to start where you were at, Dennis, it's like where a lot of people don't understand. It's like, and especially the longer you're you're at a church. You know, so you've been here, you know, much longer than I've been at Barberville, but I've been there eight and a half years now. And, you know, when you're there eight and a half years and you've been in people's houses and you've prayed for them when they've been sick or you've prayed with them when they've lost loved ones and you've built relationships with them, you do grieve, you know, just I want to say exactly how their family does if they pass away, but in a very similar way, because you've built such a close relationship and you've been involved in the, in the things of their life. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's been hard as, you know, as I've experienced the loss of people, but, you know, we've, we've had situations at our church where we had to make decisions that, that some people didn't agree with. Um, and then because of that, um, you know, left the church and in the midst of that, you know, some of the people that, that left were people that I still, I mean, even to this day, I still genuinely love. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that I loved them and then they left and I'm like, oh, I don't care about you anymore. It's like I still pray for them on a regular basis. I still think about them. I still love them and care about them. But when they left, it it hurt. It's like a death. It is, you know, and, and especially because a lot of times, um, you know, they left without 
without even saying anything. You know, it wasn't like, you know, and it would almost have been easier if they had come and said, you know, here's why we're leaving. We disagree with the, you know, the way you did this, this or this. And so we're leaving. But they just disappeared. Sometimes it'd and, be better if people just said, I hate your guts and I hope you die slow. I mean, at least then some, you can have closure. Exactly. <laughs> you, know? you know, and so and, and I walked through a, a very long period of time where. I experienced, you know, a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the midst of that, it affected me physically because I lost, um, you know, lost some weight during that time. Um, and what I was, you know, and, and as I read stories of, of guys, you mentioned like Spurgeon, um, you know, that walked through depression, not only from the gout, but, you know, the, the latter part of Spurgeon's life was he was going through the downgrade controversy. Right. Brutal attacks, um, yeah. When, when he was taking a stand for the scripture and was just being attacked on every front even by people that he had called his dearest friends throughout the course of much of his ministry. And a lot of people say that that's what attributed to his untimely death was the anxiety that he experienced walking through that process. Um, You know, so it's easy to try to to blame and to look. And one of the things that I had to do is I was thankful that I had guys um, who had been in the ministry uh, for long periods of time that I could go to and, and, and talk to and that would give me encouragement and, and, um, you know, and I, during that period of time, you know, I read a lot of scripture, read a lot of the Psalms, you know, cause you know, when you're, when you're walking through hard times, the Psalmist, you know, David specifically, but even the other Psalm writers, you know, those are some great things to just let their prayers be your prayers to the Lord and cry out in the midst of those things. But I read a lot of biographies of, of, you know, men past and present, um, who were, you know, pastors and who walked through difficult seasons and what you're reminded of is, is that especially in ministry, that's just something to be expected. Yes, you know you're it's going to you're going to walk through difficult seasons. And um, I, I remember I wrote uh, one guy that who's I'm friends with, who's he's a pretty well known guy, and and I wrote to him and explained what was going on, and he wrote back. And when I first read his email, I was almost offended because he wrote back and said, um, you know, well, what you're experiencing is nothing that, that not any true faithful pastor has ever experienced. You look at the price that, you know, the reformers had to pay, you know, in reforming the church and all this stuff. And he's like, just keep doing what you're doing and, and push forward. And I was always like, well, no, I wanted somebody to coddle me and give me, you know, it's like, but, but then the more I thought about it, the more I realized, you know, that's true. Yeah. You know, you look at, at Jonathan Edwards, you know, when he wrote his resolutions, one of his resolutions, and I'm loosely paraphrasing, he's like, whenever I tend to think too highly of myself, I will think upon the martyrs and the flames. <laughs> and I'll realize that what I'm going through really is insignificant in comparison mm-hmm. to what the martyrs did right. in order to to give up for their faith. And when all is said and done, you know, you know, now, like I said, being there eight and a half years, I look back and and I realize that even in the midst of the difficult circumstances that God was still at work. And that he worked for his good and for his glory in the midst of those difficult circumstances. Amen. And a lot of times people say, well, if you could go back and change things, would you? And I can honestly say I wouldn't because I believe that the decisions that we made and were, were God-honoring and the correct thing to do. And, and I believe that, that God honored and blessed us as a church ultimately for making those things. And if, and if my period of suffering was what was necessary in order for God to grow the church and to grow his people, then I'm okay with that. Amen. You know, that's it's a little Romans eight twenty eight right in, there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well I appreciate your your honesty in sharing that. So I'll be just brutally honest with you. Uh, last evening we were getting ready to have a family gathering. I'm going to get in my car to go pick up some pizzas. 
Uh, we're going to be celebrating my wife's birthday, even though it's actually uh, tomorrow from the time that we're recording this uh, podcast. But be that as it may, it's the best time for us to get together. So I get a phone call of someone uh, distraught. And so um, immediately I'm going to I'm going to leave the party and I'm going there. Somebody else is going to pick up the pizza because what had happened, one of our dear widows, her son-in-law, has gone into her garage and hanged himself. So all the family's there. Mm. And so I'm going to be called out of what could have been a fun evening to go deal with this awful situation. And all the way, even though I've been in ministry now for four decades, I'm just saying, God, I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know what I'm going to Please help me to do something to help this family. Because you go... You know, you walk up on the porch, first one to greet you, there's the widow mm-hmm. who had planned to, you know, ride off in the sunset with this fella, and, and now he's gone. And then you go in, and here's a, a grieving uh, woman uh, who's just had a, a bunch of heart issues, and she's just got back to her house uh, one day before uh, from being treated. And, and, you know, then I wait there till the daughter arrives and drives in, and it's just just horrible. And so these are things that pastors have to go through. And and if you're human, you can't help but be affected by that. So, uh, you know, it's going to have an impact. It's going to take a toll. And, and these are some valleys, like you said, that, that we can expect that we have to walk through. So walk with your pastor. Help them. Pray mm-hmm. for them. So, let's, so let me move beyond the, the S to the A, and that's anxiety. Do you think anxiety is a weakness to conquer or a wickedness to confess? Which one is it? It's mm. <laughs> a deep question. Thank you. I, you know, as someone who has dealt and still deals with anxiety, um, I, I think there's kind of a little bit of both parts, but the, the longer I've dealt with it, I've come to realize that that anxiety, at least in my perspective, is is a, a lot of times tied up in sinfulness because it's a, it's a doubt um in the goodness and the faithfulness and the sovereignty of God. I'm anxious over things that I don't feel like I have control of or that I don't trust that God is going to do what is good for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if we genuinely believe that God is good, and I think as Christians, that's what we base our faith upon. And if we genuinely believe that the scripture says that as his children, he, he does not do evil things to us, then we understand that even if we have to walk through things that we would maybe not prefer that God is still in the midst of that and he's doing good. And the reason that we a lot of times suffer anxiety about those things is because we're afraid of, you know, the consequences, afraid of the of the whole particular situation. Um, and I know, at least in my perspective, that a lot of it just had to deal with a lot of, of pride um, and the fact that I wanted to be in control and I didn't like the fact that I wasn't able to control those situations the way that I wanted to mm-hmm. um, and that I wasn't trusting the Lord Um wasn't trusting that that he was doing things for for his glory and his goodness. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, now I, I think, you know, when you talk about depression and anxiety, you know, we would be amiss to say that that all of it is completely spiritual and that there's not a physical aspect that affects some people. I believe there are people that have genuine physical um, you know, chemical, chemical imbalances, imbalances so in forth. the brain that are, that, but, but oftentimes think that there's a lot of times that there's a much more spiritual aspect that comes down to depression and anxiety, um, that, that will not be fully resolved just by treating it as a, as a physical condition. Mm-hmm. 
just giving you a pill to make you feel better and that, yeah. that sort of thing. Well, you know, Jesus told us Matthew six uh, to consider the the fowls, uh, the air, and the flowers in the field, and you know, not to be anxious. The Heavenly Father cares for us. Paul told us, "Don't be anxious about anything." So those are biblical commands, and of course, when we violate biblical commands, we've sinned. But I, I do think that there are folks who will be more prone uh, to suffering from anxiety as a as a type of disorder, as a thing that they battle with, I guess, on a regular occasion. Uh, for some of us, it may just be a fleeting temptation uh, here or there. But for other folks, it's almost like every day it's a giant that, that's going to loom before them. Now, do they have to give in? No. Is God's grace sufficient? Absolutely. But we also understand that we're not always on the top of our game. And uh, and at the very least, we'd have to say this. I think we could agree on this, that the temptation to anxiety is sometimes going to be very strong, almost, not totally, but almost overwhelming. And, and in times of weakness, in times of, uh, of stress, exhaustion, like we've mentioned, uh, that we can give in to those types of, of fears. Well, what are some things that, some anxieties that a, a typical pastor out there will face and have to do battle with? What, what are some? Well, one is the, I mean, just the anxiety of, of pastoral life in general and the fact that you, you know, live in a fishbowl. Yep. You know, um, you know, so the decisions that you make are viewed by, by not only your congregation, but those by outside your congregation. Um, and you understand that you're going to face criticism or, mm-hmm. or praised, you know, vice versa, depending on the decisions that you make, not only by those inside the church, but by those outside, you know, so there's this temptation sometimes to be, to live in anxiousness and, and almost, you know, you can be driven to a point of, of lack of, of, of decision-making. You can be driven to a point in your leadership of the church that you don't make the decisions that you should make um, because you're so anxious about yeah. w- what might happen in the midst of that. You're almost paralyzed mm-hmm. by, by that. I think that's true. B- big decisions, you know, things that you know. I mean, we, we all make decisions day to day, but some of those biggies that we face, uh, when you know this could mean us really going forward or really creating a, a pandemonium, you know, what What do I do? I don't want to make a, a misstep. And, and to me, that, you know, just gets me, uh, you know, very anxious at times. Um, what about like financial problems? I know none of us here are just, you know, t- terribly wealthy. And if you're going to be uh, rich and famous, unless you're, uh, you know, Kenneth Copeland or Joel Osteen or somebody like that, you, you know, where, where do those day-to-day things have potential for, for anxiety. For me, it's kind of a multifaceted thing being bivocational because I deal with the, the stress at work, you know, um, and then trying to handle that and then trying to juggle ministry. And so one of the biggest things and biggest things that I fight constantly is that I'm not doing enough, mm-hmm. that, that I'm not doing enough, that I should be doing more, um, that I'm not being the pastor that I need to be. Um, that the, you know, one thing that the reason that we're not growing and we're the reason we're not where we need to be in my own mind is because I can't be there. And, Mm -hmm. um, the, the toughest, the most difficult thing that I, that I struggle with in an obedience standpoint is that it is about being simply obedient, being faithful to what God has called me to do. Mm -hmm. Not so much about numbers, not so much about, 
growth. Um, but that's really being bivocational. That's the biggest, y'all know, I, I told these guys, I mean, today at work, I had an extremely stressful day. And so, so I had the stress from that and then uh, stress from the church. I mean, it's just been a nonstop thing. So that's, that's really what I deal with um, from, from the day in and day out is this constant battle of the juggling of life. And I hate to say it, but you know, then you got your family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, right. how do I juggle all this? And sometimes it, it does get overwhelming. I think, um, I think finances is a huge one for people in ministry, regardless of whether you're bivocational or not. I mean, for the bivocational guy, like Adam said, you know, I can totally relate to what he said of just feeling like, man, there's so much more that I want to give to the church that I just can't, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Of my, of my time and my energy and, and my resources, you know, things that I want to see happen that I just don't, I just don't have it. Um, and then also, you know, the hard thing too, is when you're, you've got multiple jobs where you're doing work, then you've got the emotional cost of doing those things. Like we talked about a few minutes ago of ministry and also your relationships at work and those kind of things. And sometimes you get home and you just got nothing left. I mean, right. you just, you're just wrong. Out, on you know? yep. And, uh, and then, and then of course, you know, your, your wife and your kids have emotional needs and. There's things that have to be done around the house and all that. And it's just, you know, you, then you're just, physical, the physical. Yeah. It's just, yeah. This and you, you get cycle. to this point where it's like, you've, you've just got nothing left, yep. you know? <laughs> and then, and then, and then you've got the, the anxiety and the guilt of, uh, my priorities are messed up yep. because now, now that I'm exhausted, I made my money for the day. Right. I'm the provider. But, but does my wife really have what she needs? Do my kids really have what they need? does the Lord have what he needs for me, you know, personally, not in ministry, but personally, you know, do I have anything left to give him after I've given to everybody else? That can be really hard on the same, uh, on the same subject though, a guy who's full time in ministry. I know a lot of guys that, you know, their struggle is, is all their eggs are in one basket. And a lot of them, especially in Baptist churches around here, have no job security nope. whatsoever. I mean, you, you a deacon could, could come and knock on your door tonight and say, you're done. And that's the end of it. Mm-hmm. And the anxiety of that, of, of just feeling completely financially insecure as a pastor, of, you know, I mean, I know guys, they're in a parsonage and they've got a salary and the salary is probably not that good to begin with, but they're able to put some food on the table and all they've got to do is preach one sermon, yep. and it can be a biblical, God honoring sermon, and and their whole life collapses financially, and so they're living by faith every Sunday when they stand up in the pulpit because, you know, and, and the other thing is if they're sinning the church, guess what? God's going to want them to preach on that stuff, and so you're having to enter into that of saying, I know I've got all this emotional stress mm-hmm. and everything else, but I'm basically committing financial suicide every time I step into the pulpit. And and if you're if you've got kids and your wife, I mean it's not just about you. I mean if you're a single man, I mean that that would be a tough decision. But if you know if I say this, X Y Z mm-hmm. are going to get mad, and the great uh, opportunity for them to dismiss me is going to be there. Mm-hmm. And then how am I going to take care of my family? Yeah. Now, yes, we we should trust in the Father, but again, we're human. And then and then if you're like some people. If that's where you invested all all your education and your skill and everything, it, it takes time in a church. You you don't just go to a church next week and put in a resume and now you have a job. 
And if you're in a normal size church, you don't get severance pay. You don't have any of that kind of stuff, which means you're literally kicked out, you know, insurance and, and all that. you know, you get kicked out on a Wednesday. You don't get a paycheck on Sunday. You're done. Right. You know what I mean? And, uh, and that, that happens to guys and the anxiety of that, I think keeps a lot of men pacified in the pulpit Yeah, um, because of that. It shouldn't, but it is a great temptation. So, so we've talked about sad, we've talked about suffering, we've talked about anxiety. So real quick, let's hit the D and that's difficulties that we have to go through that can cause us to spiral into a a dark place uh, in life. Um, so, you know, none of us are immune can you think of some Bible characters that experienced some of what we've talked about tonight? Those those sad times, those difficult places that really put them, even though they were people of faith, but put them in a in a dark spot in in life. Can you well, think of some Lamentations? I mean Jeremiah. Yeah, it's the name of the book, right? Yeah, I mean he when you read about his ministry and then at the end it, it all fell apart. You and then you read it, you kind of get. His, the full context of him truly lamenting. Jeremiah did not write a book about uh, how to grow a church, did he? No, he did not. <laughs> he would have been a total failure. How to be successful in ministry. Yeah, yeah. But from God's Obedience. perspective, it's a lot different. And that's tough. <laughs> so was it all right for him to lament and to weep and to grieve? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Not not for his own pain, but for the suffering of the people of God that he yeah. went through. All right, what, what were some other examples in Scripture that we find? I think about Paul in Romans 9 there. Um, if you're Baptist, you haven't heard that, but you should go read it. But um, in Romans 9 there, Paul talks about, you know, his des- he desires so much that his people would be saved that he-, he would trade places in hell with them in order for them to be saved. And, and he meant it. I mean, and, and he meant it. It wasn't and, just, yeah, it and, wasn't and, just and, it. And, and not only that, but we're not talking about somebody who's just writing a letter. We're talking about somebody that every Saturday he's in a synagogue somewhere pleading with people. Like, listen, you have every reason to believe that Jesus is the Messiah and being rejected and beaten and arrested and all sorts of kind of stuff. And and I just I just can't imagine being in that position of, of the only thing that you want in life is for these people to just see the truth that's right in front of them. And they just will not see it. I mean, just the frustration and, uh, and just, I, I would just want to throw in the towel after about two times Absolutely. of doing that, you know, and he just went at it for years. Well, that's what it blows my, the first time he preached. Like, could you imagine the first time you preached somebody come up to you and man, that was terrible. How bad that would, you know, I'm terrible. They're like wanting to kill him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Paul talks about his thorn in the flesh. Now, there's a lot of disagreements about what that actually is, um, but you know that it was enough that it provoked him, and and that he prayed and prayed and prayed and asked the Lord to take it away, and the Lord said no. You know, so it's like he he realized that that this was something that the Lord was going to use in his life, but it was obviously something that brought him much difficulty and 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 grievousness of heart. Um, you know, and, and I think, and when you read that again, what we talked about earlier, we're reminded of the fact that that what we experience is not unusual. You were talking about Spurgeon earlier, and um, he was preaching on a, in 1890 on a sermon called "The Tenderness of Jesus," and he says this. He says, "This morning, being myself more than usually compassed with infirmities, I desire to speak as a weak and suffering preacher of that high priest who is full of compassion." And my longing is that any who are low in spirit, faint, despondent, and even out of the way may take heart to approach the Lord Jesus. And he goes on to say this, and this is, this is good. He says, Jesus is touched, 
not with your feeling of the feeling of a, your strength, but with your infirmity. Mm. Down here, poor, feeble nothings affect the heart of the great high priest on high, who is crowned with glory and honor. As the mother feels with the weakness of her babe, so does Jesus feel with the poorest, saddest, and weakest of his chosen. You know, it's like so in the hey, midst man. of yeah, you know, so in Powerful. the midst of all those things, it's like we 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 cling closer and closer to Jesus. You know, the temptation, yeah. mm. you know, when, the temptation is when we're walking through those seasons is to to not pray and to not read the scripture. Mm. It was like in those moments that we need to cling more dearly to Christ mm. and that he desires to work and to work, operate and affect in our lives, even if he doesn't take it all away, you know, that he gives us the strength in order to be able to, uh, to do it. You know, in the old Christian saying, God will never give you anything more than you can stand is the most incorrect scriptural thing ever. It's like, <laughs> yes, God will give you much more than you yes. can stand. All the time. All to, the time. To drive you to his strength. But he will give you the ability to walk through it. Mm -hmm. It's like, it will be more than you can take, but it's not more than he can take. Absolutely. But some, but some people don't. And uh, right over there on my filing cabinet uh, behind Adam's uh, illustrious head uh, <laughs> is a picture of a pastor that committed suicide friend of mine, uh, that got to a place in his ministry uh, that he just went into a depth and, and didn't have anybody apparently to talk to and went and took a gun and blew his brains out. And and so I've got that there as a reminder, number one, to pray for his family, that even though it's been maybe five years ago, they still suffer. Oh, yeah. But but also to remind me that that we can get into some deep pits. Mm -hmm. And you may say, well, how could a man of God do that? Well, Elijah got pretty close to that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Elijah uh, didn't have a gun. No. But if he, he did. But but what did he want? He's under a juniper mm -hmm. tree, fleeing from Jezebel, this man that stood against all the prophets of Baal and saw that great miracle on Mount Carmel, the fire coming down from heaven. Yet when that wicked woman got after him, you know, uh, and and he he runs into the the wilderness and sitting under a juniper tree he wants to die he literally mm -hmm. wants to die. Well, you look at Job in Job chapter seven. He says, you know, that I would choose strangling and death rather mm. than my bones. Mm. He's like, you know, that's you're in a low place when yeah. you say something mm -hmm. like that. And I think that's why it's important to talk about this because not only just in general for Christians, Christians need to understand that it's okay to talk about depression and anxiety and difficulties in a way and be honest with one another that, hey, I'm feeling really discouraged or I'm feeling really mm -hmm. anxious, but especially among pastors, because I think the reason that pastors get in the situation like your friend did there is like, they're afraid not only to talk to their church members about it, because if they go confess to their church member, you know, I'm feeling depressed or I'm having these feelings, they're saying, well, that's just going to start the, you know, somebody's going to say, well, you know, I heard the preacher's depressed. We need spiritual we, leadership here. You know, He's obviously not but strong. We need a man of even, faith. Yeah, but even amongst other pastors, it's like there's still that fear that if I even go to another pastor and confess mm -hmm. that I'm dealing with these things, they're going to view me as less spiritual. Well, you know, or, things aren't going too well at that church down there. You, <laughs> you know, know so, pastors so having we, we need to say, it's like, it's okay to talk about these kinds of things. It's okay to to be honest and confess. It's like, if you're experiencing depression, talk to somebody about it. Don't don't keep it bottled up. If you're experiencing anxiety, talk to somebody. Find somebody that you can talk to about it because the longer it stays in darkness, the more difficult it's going to get and the deeper it's going to take you. Absolutely. You know, and as soon as you bring that in, it's just like sin. It's like when you bring it into the light, then it loses some of its power. You know, and, and I struggled for a long time with that when I was experiencing depression. I didn't talk to anybody about it. And when I finally did break down 
man, it's like, it was just like, not that it all went away instantly, but man, I could, there was a weight that was lifted off of me because I was like, finally, somebody else knows. Right. It's not everything that I'm keeping bottled up inside. Now somebody else knows and they can pray for me. They can talk to me. They can help me in, in the midst of that situation. Yeah. Well, I think right. there's some, something to that in being honest, like being real. That sounds like confession. Yeah. yeah I mean, it? you know, just that's being, for Catholics. That, that's been the good thing about our church. I mean, we, like today in, in, in my little struggle, I, I texted basically our whole life group, you know, and here I am the pastor, the strong spiritual leader. I'm like, I need y'all to pray for me, you mm-hmm. know, and they all absolutely. And I actually have had texts since we've been here. How's your day going? And mm-hmm. because I, I haven't, I haven't tried to put myself on this pedestal that mm-hmm. I can't maintain. P- people so, forget that the pastor is a member of the church. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's part of the membership, and, and he's serving in a function in the same way that other people serve in functions of the church, and he is a leader. But as Dennis said earlier, pastors are human beings. I mean, we're sinners. We're, we're, we struggle. We deal with everything that everybody else deals with. And, you know, thinking about Elijah, you know, part, part of the whole claim there is, you know, I'm the only one left. Right. I'm out here by myself, yep, God. Isolated. And yet, what does the Lord say to him? No. I have hundreds of prophets over here that you don't even know about. And the, and that's the lie that, we, that usually we fall into with things like depression is I'm the only one out here. Yeah, I've seen that happen. We've seen that happen in our church. You know, somebody will come and confess a sin and, you know, I'm just, I'm really dealing with this thing. And we'll say, you realize you're not the only person in the church that's dealing with this right now. You know, and people, people need to hear that, right. that, you know, you're not, you're not out there by yourself and everybody's going to judge you or condemn you or anything like that, you know, but the, the church is... Uh, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you can be healed. That's so what James the scripture said. commands us to do. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's a good place for us to wind this up and uh, just know that we love you and care about you. If you want to send us a, a message, uh, you can send a private message there to our website. Uh, contact us. We'll pray with you. And uh, uh, we we just want you to know that we love you and we care about you. And we want you to pray for us and our ministries and the challenges that, that we face and uh, so I'll close kind of where I started, that seasonal affective disorder. There are seasons of life that we go through, and, and not all seasons are going to be dark. There'll be a time that the uh, days will begin to brighten, that the snows will go away, that the trees will bud again, the flowers will bloom. And uh, there are those, uh, those seasons of joy that can come at the, uh, at the end of sorrow. Uh, so... Uh, Maybe you're in that dark place now. Just keep walking through that valley. God can bring you out into the light, and that's our prayer for you. You can continue the conversation online by visiting us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the number four horsemen. Don't forget to tell your friends and enemies about the podcast. And be sure to subscribe and review. They look at me funny when I talk like I got a speech impediment. Homie, check my passport. Heaven, I'm a resident. Like a conscious rapper, but do more than master president. I see brothers coughing, so I hit them with the medicine. On the other side, they say their grass is greener. Seen the forecast, man, they calling for Katrina.